running up the score. You're listening to the Running Up the Score podcast. Now here's your host, Jerry Napoleonello. Running up the score, we are back. I'm Jerry Napoleonello. Let's get it. We got week 12 coming up tomorrow. It's Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope everybody uh, has fun eating some turkey, ham, however you, you know, lamb, whatever it is, Italian food, whatever. Um, I'm hoping for a nice win by the Dallas Cowboys. That's what I'm hoping for, for Thanksgiving. I'd be very thankful of that. We got the Giants. So it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty nice schedule for Thanksgiving, and I'm pretty pumped for it. Bills, Lions, Cowboys, Giants, Patriots, Vikings. So, before we get into the Cowboys or the Vikings, we're going to get into some what we learned in week week 11. Also, um, we're going to get into some card talk. We got, uh, we got some release week stuff. Uh, some uh, an incredible story on uh, a LeBron James exquisite r- rookie auto. I think it's an RPA actually. <clears throat> and also, we had a uh, a card sell um, last week. A Luka Doncic one of one logo man. Uh, and we'll discuss what happened with that as well. But let's get into some uh, you know football talk here. Here we go. Here we go. Um, so prior to this week, the, you know, everybody's been talking about this team and I, I don't know why. I mean, I understand why, but I just don't know why everybody is so high on them. Okay. <clears throat> and I've, I've been on record saying this basically all season long. This team's not good. Um, and it's the Philadelphia Eagles. So they finally take their first loss against the Washington Commanders. And I'll talk about them in a little bit um, because I got some, you know, I mean, I have a very high opinion on on the Washington Commanders. But the Eagles lose their first game last week. They come into this week, play against the Colts. The Colts are one of those teams that, Heading into the season, we were like, that's going to be a good team. They add Matt Ryan to an already potent offense, to a, a very good defense, to arguably the best running back in the league. That team's going to be solid this year. Um, it has not. Matt Ryan has not been solid. So much so that they benched Matt Ryan. Um, Frank Wright got fired. They hire, and this was a a big thing going into this past week, they hire Jeff Saturday. A guy, yes, that is one of the best centers to ever play the game, but has never coached before. Not high school, 
not college, and certainly not the NFL. Now, I understand what he was saying in the press conference. You know, I've been in this league for however many years. I've been around Hall of Famers, this, that. Don't get me wrong. That's true. You're 110% true on that. But you've never been in that position. So for you to get the highest of high, you know, positions without really doing anything, I mean, that that screams this uh <laughs> that screams this generation really um because there's and I'm not even really going to get into that but I mean that's just it's just the way it is but so the uh the Eagles head into Indy to to face this Colts team who ended up starting Matt Ryan again they brought him back in they won the the week prior now they they go against the eight and one Eagles, and the Colts had the lead the entire game. They held the Eagles to no touchdowns the entire game, up until the last minute, two minutes, whatever it was. So I mean, my question, because when we really sit back, all right, yes. Prior to this Washington game, the Eagles were 8-0, okay? And everybody was so high on them. I never put them in my top my top spot on my power rankings this season. Because I know what kind of team this is. I know what they're about. I watched them just as much as I watched the Dallas Cowboys. And this really had, I mean, there is some bias in that. But, in, like, in reality, though, I, I'm, like, sitting sitting here, you look at this team. Okay. So we'll go into, you know, like, there. really the question that I, I'm I'm trying to propose here is, were they even that dominant this year? And and like that's the reason why I didn't have them number one at all ever in my power rankings. Because I don't see them going into Kansas City and being the beating the Chiefs. I don't even see them having the Chiefs come into them and beat the Chiefs. I don't see them beating the Bills either. So those are two teams that I feel are more dominant Yes, they may have more losses, but they're more dominant than the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles have not played a goddamn soul this season. Every team that they've played has been shit. I mean, let, let's let's be totally honest on this, all right? We'll go we're going to go game by game. Week 1, they play the Detroit Lions. They win by 3. 38 to 35. Yes, now we're looking at the Detroit Lions like, all right, yeah, maybe they're, you know, a playoff team here. I mean, that's they have a solid offense. Their defense is absolutely dog shit. But at this moment right now, they've won 3 in a row. But at that moment, we didn't know what we were going to get from the from the Lions. We just felt like this this game the Eagles should wipe the the lions clean 
They didn't. It was a close game. 38 to 35. Okay. So, you know, that great defense that they keep talking about gave up 35 points to the Detroit Lions. Okay. Week two, the Minnesota Vikings come into Philly. Now, Minnesota Vikings coming into the season, we thought this team was going to be very good. Okay. They go into that game, they didn't look good at all. They didn't. And we were starting to question what kind of Minnesota Vikings team we were going to see this season. Granted, after this game, they string off a bunch of wins. That turns into their only loss going into this past week. So then we're like, all right, maybe the Minnesota Vikings are for real. So they beat the Minnesota Vikings before they really hit their stride. And they beat them 24-7. Week 3 at the Washington Commanders. The Washington Commanders, and I'm going to be talking about them in depth uh, very soon. But the Washington Commanders with Carson Wentz were horrible. Carson Wentz is horrible. And he should not be in the NFL anymore. I'm sorry. It, it's it, that's uh, Carson Wentz is bad. He really is. So... They beat them 24-8. Division rival, okay. You know what? Washington had some injuries at the time, but again, they had Carson Wentz as their quarterback. I see this. This, I mean, Washington's bad at this point. Then they go and they play the Jacksonville Jaguars home, and they only beat them by eight. And there was at a point where Jacksonville looked like they could have had a hold of this game. The Eagles win it, 29-21. to Another pretty shitty team that they beat. Then they go against Arizona. In Arizona, they beat them only by three, 20-17. And we're seeing this team now. Arizona is horrible. Horrible. Then they go against Dallas. Dallas, who there was a question that you may see Dak. This was the this was the week where you were expecting Dak to come back. I applaud the Cowboys not starting Dak because it just wasn't it wasn't the right time. The Cowboys go into that game with Cooper Rush, and they only lose by nine. Mind you, this is in Philly. And an offense that just could not move the ball. And they only lost by nine. Then you got a bye week. So now they're coming out of the bye week 6-0. and They go in. They, they have Pittsburgh come in. Pittsburgh, a team that just started a rookie quarterback, Kenny Pickett. And this is another team that is dog shit. The Pittsburgh Steelers, horrible. And the Eagles beat them handily, 35-13. Then they go at Houston, and they win the game 29-17. They're 8-0. Okay, so Houston... The worst team in the NFL. Pittsburgh, dog shit. Dallas, 
backup quarterback that couldn't move the ball. Horrible. Arizona, god-awful. Jacksonville, bad. Washington at the time with Carson Wentz, horrible. Minnesota at the time, not catching their stride. Detroit gave them a run for their money at the time, not good. Then, finally, they come and they see Washington at home with Taylor Heineke. And Washington beats them up. Without Chase Young, Washington beats them up. Wins 32-21. And then, this past week, they go into Indy and laid a goose egg for most of the game. And then finally scored that last touchdown with like 50 seconds left. This team has not been dominant, okay? They're not even dominating teams that they should be dominating, okay? So don't come at me on social media and say, why don't you have the Eagles or that my lists are bad because I don't have the Eagles at number one. They're not number one. They're not number two. Right now I have them at number two because the Bills hit a little bit of a speed bump. But I'm sure the Bills are going to move back up very soon. But, I mean, let's be serious, people. This Eagles team's not that good. And when we're looking at it, the rest of their their uh, schedule, okay, they got the Green Bay Packers this week, Sunday night, at home. They should win that game. Green Bay's pretty bad. Then they go... They, they're at home against Tennessee. This is going to be a tough game, and we're going to see what the Eagles are, are made of. Tennessee is one of those teams that were like, okay, they're a pretty dominant team against teams that they should beat, against teams that, you know, may be a little close, you know, or just as good as they are. They don't look as dominant. So I'm interested to see what kind of Titans team we're going to get. Ryan Tannehill, he's just one of those quarterbacks that just, you know, he's uh, he's an okay quarterback. He, he he's not he's not going to be the reason why you lose a game, basically. So, I mean, he's not going to be the reason why you lose against them. He will be a reason why you lose the game if you are a Titan. Um. So then after that, they're at. New Jersey to play the New Jersey Giants. Um, then they're at Chicago to play the Chicago Bears, which, I mean, they should beat them pretty handily. This is the game after this Christmas Eve. This is the game that I want to see what we're going to see from the Eagles. This is a game that I want to see what the Cowboys are made of. Dallas Cowboys, home, Christmas Eve, Philadelphia Eagles. 425, baby. I am excited for that game. Okay. Then we move on after that. They got the New Orleans Saints, and then they got the Giants again. So, really, Tennessee and the Dallas Cowboys are the the two teams that, you know, they may pick up losses against, and we'll see. what You know, that's going to be the difference in if they win the number one seed in 
the NFC or they even have to get a wild card spot and lose the division lead, let alone the number one seed. But I guess, you know, before we like go on to some others, let, let's, I want to go into my, my list, my power rankings. I just posted it. Um, I think I posted it on TikTok and that was really it. Um, but I want to just get into it here. So we'll start from 10. Number 10, for the first time this season, they have moved in to my power rankings. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I want to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because this is a team that has now, they they basically, they haven't been good. They haven't been, like, terrible. They've been coasting. They're middle of the pack. Their record is not great. They're 5-5 five and five now. But when you look at the rest of their their record, okay, so now they just rattled off two wins, two good wins in a row. And when you look at the rest of their 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 schedule, this is a team that's going to be tops in the NFC because of the rest of their schedule. They are at Cleveland. That's a win. They're home against New Orleans. Should be a win, but New Orleans gives them problems. At San Francisco, that's the toughest game of their their rest of their schedule. Cincinnati's going to be tough, but San Francisco will be the toughest. Then they're at Arizona home against Carolina, and at Atlanta. This is a team that will probably be, well, they're definitely winning the South. So we could put that. But I like Tampa Bay now moving into my power rankings at number 10. So now we go to number 9. Big drop-off for my number 9 team because of what they showed on Sunday. The Minnesota Vikings. They are 8-2. and two. This is an 8-2 and two team that I have at the 9 spot. The rest of their schedule, New England, the Jets at Detroit, Colts, Giants at Green Bay, at Chicago. The rest of their schedule is pretty tough. You know, New England, their defense is tough. The Jets, their defense is tough, but their offense is horrible, and I'm going to talk about Zach Wilson very soon. Detroit, their offense is unbelievable. Their defense, not so much. Indianapolis, pretty um, balanced team. Giants, I think they finally hit the spot where they're going to come back down to reality. The 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 Packers, I you know you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, and then the Chicago Bears, uh, which are giving teams um, headaches right now. You know Justin Fields giving people headaches, but um, usually the teams come out and win eventually. Number eight, I have the Baltimore Ravens, seven and three right now. They got at Jacksonville, home against Denver, at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, at Cincinnati. That's uh, that's a good run for the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. My number seven team, San Francisco 49ers. They're six and four. They had a dominant game against Arizona and Mexico City on Monday night. And this catapulted them to the number seven team. Um, this team's going to be tough. This team is absolutely going to be tough. Um, the rest of their schedule, they got the Saints, the Dolphins, the Bucks at Seattle, Washington at uh, the Vegas Raiders, and then home against Arizona. That's a tough rest of their schedule. 
and I am interested to see where this San Francisco 49ers team will be. This is a team that in the beginning of the season, I said this is a Super Bowl caliber roster that this team has. Absolutely. They lose Trey Lance, bring in Jimmy G. He catapults them. Um, Do I think Jimmy G uh, could win them a Super Bowl? No. But this is a very good team. My number six team is the Tennessee Titans. As I said, this is a team that is dominant against the teams that they should be dominant against. And then they'll have games against good teams where it's like, ah, you know, this team could be so good, but their quarterback sucks. Um, They are home against Cincinnati, at Philly, home against Jacksonville, at the Chargers, home against Houston, home against Dallas, and at Jacksonville. Tough schedule for the Tennessee Titans down the stretch. We have the Miami Dolphins as my five team. They are 7-3. and three. They have Houston at San Francisco, at the Chargers, at the Bills, at the Patriots, and then home against the Jets. The Miami Dolphins have a very, very tough schedule coming down the stretch. The number four team is the Dallas Cowboys at 7-3. and three. They have the Giants, the Colts, the Houston Texans. Then they're at Jacksonville, home against Philly, at Tennessee, and at Washington. And then the number three team, the Buffalo Bills. They are back on track after two straight losses. They are 7-3. and three. They're home against, uh, they're at Detroit. They are at New England. They are home against the Jets, home against the Dolphins, at Chicago, at Cincinnati, and then home against New England to end the season. My number two team is the team that we were just talking about, the Philadelphia Eagles, the 9-1 Philadelphia Eagles. They have the Green Bay Packers, the Tennessee Titans. They're home against the Giants. They're home against, oh, wait. They have Green Bay, home. They have Tennessee, home. They are at New Jersey. They are at Chicago. They are at Dallas, and then they're home against the Saints, and they're home against the Giants. And then the number one team is the number one team, the Kansas City Chiefs. Eight and two Kansas City Chiefs. They have the Rams. That is going to be a blowout. Then they're they're at the Cincinnati Bengals. They're at the Denver Broncos. They are home against Houston. They are home against Seattle. They are home against Denver. And then they end the season at the Las Vegas Raiders where they lock up the number one seed overall. So there you have it. That is the power rankings from running up the score. Now, moving on, I wanted to talk about the Giants here. So we were talking about the Eagles before. The Giants, moving forward, have one of the toughest schedules there is. And they took a very, very bad loss against the Lions this past week. And I mean a very, very bad. This is a team that is so centered on the run game, whether it be Saquon Barkley or Daniel Jones running the ball. Daniel Jones has been playing pretty well leading up into this game. He looked terrible in this game. The offense looked terrible in this game. This is, I'm telling you, this is one of the worst defenses in the league. I think actually statistically they are the worst defense in the league. And the Giants could not do anything against them. The the Giants, as I said, are a very good run team. They're tops in the league. And they couldn't run it against the league's worst run defense. 
I think we're starting to see the Giants come back down to earth, and I, I, I'm hoping that people realize that. I, I, Giant fans, I hope you're realizing this. The Giants are coming back down to earth. Okay? The Jets. And now, uh, mind you, this is the, the remaining schedule for the Giants. They're at Dallas. They're home against Washington. They're home against Philly. They're at Washington. They're home against Minnesota. They're at, the, well, they're, at Minnesota, they're home against the Colts, and they're at Philly. That is a tough schedule. You're playing the NFC East one, two, three, four, five out of your next seven games. And you're already 0-1 against the division. So, I mean, good luck. Because, as I was saying before, Washington is becoming a solid team with Taylor Heineke. So, yeah, the Giants are in trouble, and I think uh, Earth, hello. Um, we get. I guess we'll move over to the other locker room in that stadium. The Jets suck. Sorry. The Jets suck. Uh, Zach Wilson sucks, too. Looks like he's never played a game of football in his life. Um, and then looked even worse in the press conference, which I didn't think could actually be possible to look worse than what he looked like on the field, but he looked worse in the press conference. They asked him, uh, do you feel like you let down the defense? Now, mind you, the Jets' defense is actually very good. And it's the reason they're at this position that they're in. I think they're, what, 6-4? and four? Um, So, for me, it's like... I felt like this team wasn't good. <laughs> I mean, it was just funny that people started to to really like harp on them. I mean, I even put them in the top ten in my in my power rankings, which was crazy. And I think I only had them in for a week, and then they lost to the Patriots, and then I took them right out because I mean they went four straight games. You know, they beat the Steelers, they waxed the Dolphins, but again, Dolphins didn't have two in that game. Um. They beat the Packers. Uh, they beat the the Denver Broncos, but, I mean, the Packers are bad. The Broncos are bad. The Miami Dolphins didn't have Tua. The Steelers are bad. And then they played a team that was pretty bad, actually, in the Patriots, and they lost to them, and they looked like they never played football in their lives at that time. And then they beat the Bills, and then everybody was like, all right, but I wasn't, I wasn't sipping on the tea because, you know, after that Patriots game, I said, all right, well, this is a team that can't even beat the Patriots who aren't really that good anymore. You know, Mac Jones is having a really off season, And I mean, off season as in, we don't really know what Mac Jones is. He looked pretty good in the year before, but that's also, that was his rookie season. And not many people knew what to expect from Mac. And not that, I mean... The Patriots won a game last year where they threw the ball, I think, twice. So that was, you know, that that's what I'm saying. Like, you, you know, you don't know how good Mac Jones is if he even is good. So the fact that you lose to the Patriots after I had you in the top 10 in the power rankings, you were uh, four, five, five and two at the time. And then you lose to the Patriots, which I kind of saw coming at the time. 
I wasn't sipping on the tea. I pulled them right out of the power rankings right away. And then they beat the Bills, and people put them back in. And then I was like, no, that's not happening. Uh, I'm not doing that. Uh, I'm not doing that because this team is just... I don't know what to say about this team because I watched Zach Wilson, and I'm like, all right, this guy really... I mean, the signs, you, you see like very, very small signs the last two years of Zach Wilson where it's like, okay, maybe maybe he is good. And then you see more of this, Zach Wilson. But in the press conference, as I said, he looked worse than he did on the field. And it's really baffling that that could even be uh, uh, possible. In a 10-3 game where the Jets give up a last-second kick return or punt return, he comes up to the podium and they ask, do you feel like you let down the defense? Without hesitation, he says, no. As an offense, though, I mean, when you guys are only able to score three points, the defense only lets up three points. I mean, do you, do you feel like you let the defense down at all? No. no. Dude, you're the quarterback of the team, okay? And I, I hate to even say this, but as the quarterback of the team, there's a lot of leadership that comes with that. And you have to take accountability, you know, your team just put up three points. You looked like a blind quarterback. And no matter what, even if you had a good game and you still lost, you have to take accountability to that. And he didn't. And now they're benching him. Robert Sala benched Zach Wilson for Mike Smith, uh, Mike White. Now, the the other head-scratching thing to me is why go to Mike White when you have Joe Flacco sitting there as well? And in the time that Zach Wilson was hurt, Joe Flacco played pretty well. I mean, not great, but he played all right. Why not use him? So that was my that was a head scratcher there for for me. But Zach Wilson, I, I mean, I'm starting to lean towards like, ah, I I, I think he's really not that good. I, I mean, and even in like in like hobby talk, you know, in in terms of sports cards, um, it's crazy to to see his prices, um you know, are still actually kind of, you know, still high. Not crazy high what he used to be, but still high. And it's, I don't know if I'm investing in Zach Wilson. I mean, if you, like, I know a lot of people have. um, And it it's crazy to me to even, like, for me to watch this guy on the field and then say, all right, yeah, I'm I'm going to, like, I'm definitely going to invest in this guy. So, this is a, actually a crazy drop-off. 
well, actually a crazy high kick. Um, his prism base sold on the 21st for a dollar 85 and then there was another sale for 550 the next day which you know he's been very choppy lately um we'll do six months and he's incredibly down okay so look how crazy this is okay as of June 2nd 2022 this card went for 45 dollars. He went down to now being $5. That's an 86.25% drop in rate of growth. That's a $34.50 real dollar change. I mean, that's that's insane. And I mean, let's see if uh, let's see if we get his his silver here. And that's that's for raw. So, we look for silver. Here it is. His silver. As of June 6th, okay, $330. Sold yesterday. What's today, actually? Oh, yeah, yesterday, the 22nd, for $14.50. Zach Wilson dropped. Zach Wilson dropped heavy. With the silver, his rate of growth is negative 95%. That is absurd. I mean, that that's incre- that's an incredible drop. And this is let's see a PSA 10. PSA 9. Yeah, here we go. PSA 10 of his silver. On, what is that, October, uh, um, that's August. August 16th, sold for $660. As of today, sold for $130. A PSA 10 of his Prism Rookie Silver. That's absurd. He's down 80% in this one. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Um... But now we move on. Let's talk about the Cowboys. Okay, the Cowboys, uh, I will say right now, okay, the Dallas Cowboys had the most dominant game, the most complete game of any team in the NFL this season, this past week against the Minnesota Vikings. They beat a very, very good team in the Minnesota Vikings by 37 but not just by 37. And not only that. They beat a very good Minnesota Vikings team by 37 in their home. They went into Minnesota and they said, we're about to show you what the Dallas Cowboys are capable of. And they put together the most complete game of the NFL season. And you know what? I was not mad about it. And I'll tell you right now. That might have been the best game I've ever seen the Dallas Cowboys play. 
in my life. In my life, dude. I'm 32 years old. And that was the most comfortable I've ever been watching the Dallas Cowboys play football. Because I'll tell you right now, I'm never comfortable watching the Dallas Cowboys play football against anybody. Because no matter how big of a lead they have, it always comes down to the end. You got a 14-point lead against a pretty bad Packers team in Lambeau going into the fourth quarter. (coughs) And they lost. So, listen. I mean, you can see the gray hair in my beard. I'm all gray in the hair. I'm... It's literally, some people will say, oh, I get gray hair from my kids or I get gray hair from my wife or whatever, or work. No, I get gray hair because of the Dallas Cowboys. It's it's absurd. And the fact that I could sit back here and say the Dallas Cowboys played the best game that I've ever seen, it's absurd. It's crazy. I've watched every single game since I could even remember. They played the most mistakeless NFL game I have ever seen them play. And it was a good against a good team. And it was at their home. I, I mean, it's just it, it like it's actually giving me the goosebumps to even say something like that. So, before I get to the real question, but I want to get into this. We got a huge game coming up tomorrow on Thanksgiving against the Giants. Now, this team cannot go from the best game that I've ever seen them play in my lifetime to go have the Giants come in to Dallas and beat them. Uh, that can't happen. You have to continue this. The Dallas Cowboys have to run the ball. Keep the possession like you did against the Minnesota Vikings. They had 24 minutes of possession in that game. And I said this even going back to the 2000... What was it? The 2011 team? No, 2014, 2015 team, whatever it was, uh, with DeMarco Murray. That was a team... That dominated possession. And that's what made them so good. Possession is such... It's such a big stat when it comes to individual games. If if you show me a team that leads the league in possession time, I'll tell you they're a top five team. It's like almost a guarantee because you're keeping the team that you're playing. You're keeping their offense off the field. You're keeping their defense on the field. And you're just beating them up. And can we talk about this whole Pollard and Zeke debate? Why does it have to be a debate? Why do do they have to pick someone? You know, all I hear is everybody say, Oh, well, you know, Pollard, you got to put him in now. You got to make them the starter. Why do they have to? 
They have a good thing going right now. They have a two-headed monster. Even when Zeke starts the game, Zeke will get the first, most likely the first two, uh, the first two series. And then Pollard gets the next one and possibly the next one after that. They're doing well. Both of them. They have, I mean, it's it's one of the best two-headed monsters in the league right now. It's so dynamic. Why do they have to pick one guy? It does not make sense. Can we stop with the debate about Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott? Because I'll tell you, I'm sitting here right now, and I'll tell you right now that there is a lot of things that Tony Pollard can't do that Ezekiel Elliott does very well. And for you to turn around and say, oh, Tony Pollard should be the feature back, and you might as well just get rid of Zeke. It's it's absurd. Because, you know what, against Minnesota, the Cowboys gave Tony Pollard two chances to get into the end zone at the two. And he couldn't do it. You bring Zeke in, one play, and he's in the end zone. But there's things that Tony Pollard can't do that uh, that Tony Pollard can do that Zeke can't. Like doing the wheel route and basically beating the whole team to the end zone. Zeke is not at that point anymore in his career. But you give that man the ball at the one-yard line, nine out of ten times, he's in the end zone. So don't give me that crap. You know... What Zeke does for that team is so underappreciated, it's not even funny. Ezekiel Elliott is one of the best blocking running backs in the league. That's one. Number two, he's one of the most physical running backs in the league. It's so underappreciated, it's not even funny. What Zeke does to help Tony Pollard out I mean, all right, so where was Tony Pollard in the Packers game? Riddle me that. Because I can tell you right now, that was a perfect Ezekiel Elliott game. That was a game that the Dallas Cowboys could have really used Ezekiel Elliott. And they didn't have him, and they lost a 14-point lead and lost the game in the fourth quarter. Reminds me a lot of Marion Barber and Felix Jones. But nobody looks at it that way. So let's stop with the whole Pollard and Zeke debate and just appreciate the two-headed monster that the Dallas Cowboys have going on to one of the more dynamic offenses in the league. And you know what? To add to the more dynamic offenses in the league, how about Odell Beckham? Odell is hanging in the balance. And I think Jerry Jones just needs to snatch him down and put that star on his helmet. You add Odell Beckham to CeeDee Lamb, to Michael Gallup, to Tony Pollard, to Ezekiel Elliott, to Dalton Schultz, and to Dak Prescott. Woof. That offense is looking real good. 
Okay, we saw what Odell could do for the Rams last year. Something the Dallas Cowboys need. Because we're seeing how dynamic CeeDee Lamb is. And just imagine if you bring in Odell and now CeeDee Lamb's got one-on-one or Odell's got one-on-one or most... Now, if that happens, I will tell you right now, Michael Gallup will only see one-on-ones. And I will tell you, you throw the ball up to Michael Gallup, he's the one coming down with it. He's the perfect one-on-one wide receiver, whether it be just going up and getting it over a defender or beating a guy down the field on a, uh, you know, basically a nine route. One-on-one is going to be perfect for Michael Gallup. And if you bring in Odell, that's what you're going to get. You're going to see an uptick in Michael Gallup. You're going to see an uptick in CeeDee Lamb. You're definitely going to see an uptick in, in Zeke and Tony. So, it's this is, a, this is a, big, a big move that the Dallas Cowboys need to do. They need Odell Beckham. I can't wait to see what happens. <clears throat> So, the Minnesota Vikings. Now, we might as well just get right into them. Um, Minnesota Vikings. I don't even know what to say about that loss against the Dallas Cowboys. I really don't. Um, It was embarrassing. I will say that. And it definitely poses the question, is this team actually for real? I mean, it's Kirk Cousins. It, it, like, that's what it comes down to. It's Kirk Cousins. Like, he's the problem. But he's also... I mean, it, it's it's tough because when you look at teams like San Francisco, you look at teams like Tennessee, and then you have Minnesota as one of those teams as well. And I mean, I could even put the Eagles in there as well. These are teams with quarterbacks that are going to win you games at times in the season. But when it comes down to the playoffs, it just it, it doesn't work out. They're just not made for it. You know, like I said, if if Jimmy Garoppolo was not the quarterback of the 49ers, I think they would have been in the Super Bowl last year. I, I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. And Jimmy Garoppolo right now is doing his thing. But again, it's going to come down to him going into the playoffs and it's just not he's not going to cut it. Ryan Tannehill, another one, just not going to cut it. It's it's tough to say because, you know, the team's doing so well, but it's also like it's the truth. It really is the truth. So for the the Minnesota Vikings, yeah, they're a good team when they're playing teams that they should be beating up on. 
Kirk Cousins plays well in those games. But then there's games like primetime games, and Kirk Cousins just is not good. There comes, you know, 4 o'clock games, and just Kirk Cousins not good. 1 o'clock games, Kirk Cousins great. 4 o'clock games, not good. Primetime games, not good. It's crazy, but Justin Jefferson also. He went MIA in that game. And it's crazy. I, I mean, listen, the the craziest thing, you know, and I and I said it right from the beginning. <clears throat> the two games prior for the Dallas Cowboys, or you know, the games, let's say the the Eagles game and the Packers game, and the team the the games in between also showed signs of it. The way to beat the Dallas Cowboys is to run the ball. That's not their strong suit on their defense. Their strongest part of their defense is their pass rush. So, common sense, hey, not a great run defense. Let's run the ball. We have Dalvin Cook. Let's run the ball. No, no. Let's have Kirk Cousins drop back and uh, get sacked eight times. I, I mean, I like it. Just it boggles my mind. And listen, I don't get me wrong; loved every moment of it. But I just it was a head scratching moment because I'm like, all right, this game could probably be a close game if you just ran the ball. And then you got to a point where you couldn't run the ball because you were down so much. And then it was just feeding season for Michael Parsons and the boys. Demarcus Lawrence. Dorrance Armstrong. Dante Fowler. I mean, it's it like it's crazy to me. Javon, uh, uh, J. Ron Kurz ended up getting a sack in that game too. And did the skull clap. It's crazy that they went away from the run. You know, and like before we move on, uh, as I was saying with the Bucks before, the Bucks, you know, with their season, the way that it looks, this, the rest of the schedule, this team's going to be there. And it's crazy to me that, it, that they're going to be there because they look so bad. But, the dom- the most dominant team so far is the the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs, all right. This is a team that has so many injuries and you know that's all we hear from some of these teams. Oh, well, we have injuries and that's the reason why we're not playing. Well. Oh, the Giants are missing all these guys. We're missing a whole, you know, wide receiver core. It doesn't matter for the Chiefs. The Chiefs are missing literally every wide receiver that they had. Yet, it doesn't matter. This is a team that literally only needs to run out Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and they'll win a game. I mean, it's it's really that simple. And I looked at this team because they ended up getting Kadarius Tony, which makes me laugh out goddamn loud because the Giants basically traded him for a bag of Skittles, and the guy... It will end up being a star when he stops getting hurt for the Chiefs because, I mean, 
the way that Andy Reid's going to use him, the way that Patrick Mahomes is going to get him the ball, it's it, you're going to really see what Kadarius Tony's all about. And I think I've already seen signs of it, and I know the kid is going to be an absolute star. But right now he just he's got to stop getting hurt. Um, but again, the Chiefs are just they're they're them. They're that team. You know, and it's crazy, and I've said this almost every week, that we just, like, it, it's it's funny that we got into this season and people were down on Patrick Mahomes. They were down on the Chiefs. They lose, uh, they lose Tyreek, this, that. And it's just, they're still number one. They're still number one. Justin Fields, been playing like a beast. Separated his shoulder, that's going to be a little bit of an issue, but he's been playing like a goddamn beast. And he's, his prices are going up. Um, if this team shows any kind of, you know, if they literally can just get some better players, you know, to, to add around them, you know, they made the trade for Chase Claypool. That's a good start. If they could get a running back and maybe a defense, I mean, this team could be and could end up being very good. With Justin Fields, I think Justin Fields will end up being a very good quarterback. And I've said this since the beginning. He's just one of those guys that just got drafted to a shitty team. And, like, that's the thing that sucks because you look at Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is going to be a star in this league, but he's just on a shitty team. I think they're going to get better, though. But, yeah, with Justin Fields, I mean... Uh, like, do we even have to look at his, like, we're, I was just talking about Zach Wilson's prices. Now let's look at Justin Fields. And I, I mean, it's going to be absurd. So we're going to look at the same prices for like the same card. Okay. So prism. So let's look at the silver. So the silver raw. Okay. I, I mean, obviously it from, from June it's down. So June 4th, it sold for $400. This is a PSA 10. Oh, no, this is raw, actually. So it sold for $400, which is crazy to me for a raw card. Um, sold for $400 in June. As of today, it sold for $45. So it's kind of like this is a raw card. It's a base card. It's actually a silver. But it, it's, you know, it's kind of flattening out. Because he he you know he went up he went up the beginning of this month to one hundred and fifty dollars again back up to one hundred and fifty dollars now down to about forty five but I mean as of yesterday it sold for one hundred and seven so he's choppy he's definitely choppy let's see for a PSA ten here's a silver this sold in June for a thousand seventy six dollars and it sold as of. Monday for 600 so again he's he's kind of like you see the dip but he's kind of flattening out this is where you kind of want to see him at that price but $600 for a you know PSA 10 of a silver for a rookie card for Justin Fields that just shows you what people think about Justin Fields but um you know a hobby interest you know as I'm telling you these prices you know is he a buy sell or hold right now and for me he's a hold I, you know, I. It depends on where you are in the hobby. 
you know, obviously, if you're a flipper, this is this is a perfect card to have because you could just flip them right now for fucking six hundred dollars. Um, the pop is a hundred and forty-one. Um, so that's that's pretty good, you know, if you have this card, you know, for a pop at at one forty-one for a PSA ten of a silver. You know, these aren't numbered, so you know, there's a lot of them. The fact that you're getting a, you know, and Prism's very hard. It's it's a very hard, you know, product to get a, you know, a goddamn ten for. Um. So. <laughs> it's crazy, but. Let's go on to um, some releases that are coming out. You know, before we get out of here, so. Um. Sports cards here, brought to you by Rutz Breaks. Check them out. Um, you know, and then you could check out the best in the hobby, Backyard Breaks. Um, so here we go. Let's go with, we'll go with Bowman Chrome that just came out today. So you are getting a 100-card uh, base set uh, and a 100-card Chrome prospect set that will feature stellar lineup of rookies, veterans, and top prospects from all over the globe. You will get two Chrome autographs per hobby box. Um, you know, you have some new ones. I'll, I'll bring up some new ones. So you got the Aqua Ray Wave Refractor Parallel. That's numbered to 199 It's only in hobbies. Um, also, a new one is a Yellow Refractor Parallel that is numbered to 75 you got the Super Fractor, obviously, of one of one. Uh, the Prospect cards, you have some new ones as well. You have the uh, Fuchsia Pink Vapor Refractor Parallel that's also to $199, only in Hobby. You have the Aqua Pink Vapor Refractor Parallel, number to $125. That is also only in Hobby. The Yellow Orange Vapor Refractor that is number to $75. That's Hobby only. And a Red Aqua Vapor Refractor Parallel number two five, also hobby only. Some insert cards. You have uh, it came to the league. You have shades of greatness. You have Bowman Invicta, um, the 2021 AFL Fall Stars. You have the uh, 2021 AFL MVP short print, which is new and it's only hobby. Um, the Bowman Ascensions, which is new. You get one every 144 packs, so that's nice. Um, you'll get an orange refractor parallel number to 25, or also the sa- uh, super f- refractor, super fractor parallel number one of one. Autographs. Uh, you got some new ones: uh, the blue ray wave, um, the gold mini diamond refractor that's numbered to 50, hobby only. The Orange Refractor and the Orange Shimmer Refractor, both to 25. Those are hobby only as well. The Orange Refractor Parallel Chrome Rookie Autograph, numbered to 25, is hobby as well. Um, You got the Bowman Invicta Autograph Variations, Bowman Ascensions Autograph Variations, the AFL uh, MVP Short Print Autograph, numbered to 100. Um, Relics and Autograph Relics, we have the Chrome Auto Relic, um, which is varied in numbering. The uh, orange refractor is hobby only, 
number 225, the 2021 AFL relics varied in numbering as well, is hobby only. So you have the orange refractor parallel numbered to 25, and you also have the super refractor parallel numbered one of one. The new one also is 2021 AFL relics autograph parallel varying in numbering, um, and then you have the super refractor parallel one of one. So that come it came out today. Now coming out Friday, we have the Bowman Chrome Baseball HTA box. So you'll get three Chrome autograph cards per HTA box. And basically, these are all... You're going to get like the same kind of cards. But here are the exclusives for the HTA. You have an HTA Choice Refractor Parallel number to 150. Um, the Green Atomic Refractor Parallel to number 99. Um, you have the gold shimmer refractor number to 50 orange wave refractor parallel number to 25 and then the red wave refractor parallel to number to uh, number to five and then a black mojo refractor also one of one so those are the exclusives for the autographs the prime chrome autographs uh, the crime uh, blah, blah, blah. prime chrome signatures number to 50 the orange Refractor number to 25 is HTA only as well. So those are the HTA exclusives. The pricing on these, and I forgot to to get those, so I will get those right about now. I don't know why they didn't pop up. I should have put it down on my rundown here. Um, but, you know, Bowman Chrome is a huge um, release for especially baseball um, hobby um, enthusiasts. So the Chrome baseball hobby is going for 325 and the HTA box is also going for 340. So again, you get 3 autos in the HTA, you get 2 in the regular hobby box and there's about a what was it? $30 difference. So that's up to you. <clears throat> um but again, before we get out of here, I got these two uh, pretty cool stories. LeBron exquisite card story is um, definitely a a crazy one. So this kid, um, Matthew Berger, he bought the um, the two thousand three two thousand four exquisite rookie parallel LeBron James RPA. Um, got a graded he bought it for five thousand dollars at the time he was 21 years old um and you know his dad thought he was crazy you know this and that but he he was really high on you know this card and basically you know in the article basically says like if there was a michael jordan rookie exquisite card how much would that go for and that's kind of how he went off of it at the time these boxes um, we're going for $500, which now they are absolutely absurd. This is like, this is the Holy grail of NBA product is exquisite. They don't make them anymore, obviously. So it's, it's crazy, you know what it is. So <clears throat> basically 21 years old, he was looking at this card. Like this is, this is it. Um, and he thought at the time that it'd be worth like a million dollars eventually, obviously. So, um, his father ended up passing away in 2011 
and at the time of the funeral. So he had like a few close calls with this card, which is crazy. So um, he says, on the day of the funeral, we had family over at the house and my brother was working on some electrical stuff. Something started smelling like smoke and all of a sudden there was a, a fire in the attic. He forgot that he left the card in his father's closet. Fortunately, his brother's uh, his brother's father-in-law was a firefighter and put out the fire, which was a bunch of wet towels, or with a bunch of wet towels. That LeBron card was resting on the top of the closet shelf two feet away from that attic fire. He also then put it in a safe deposit, blo- uh, safe deposit box, got it graded by Beckett. Beckett at the time was a leading grading service. Obviously, PSA is now. He got an 8.5. <clears throat> On that card. And he put the card up on eBay twice. And he said that he priced it over the market value at the time. Figuring nobody would buy it. In 2016, someone accepted the buy it now price of $40,000. So, of uh, of course, that's a $35,000 profit on that card. So, you know, obviously he said, you know, he would have been happy with it. And... Again, this guy's from Westchester, New York. Um, and the person never paid for it. So he canceled the order. He put it up for auction this past week. And it sold. And it sold for more than a million dollars. So you go from $5,000 on a card. And you get a million dollars. That is absolutely absurd. So... A LeBron exquisite numbered 14 out of 23, which these are out of 23. So numbered 14 out of 23 with a BGS of 9.5 gold label sold for 1.8 in July. And in April, a BGS 9 sold for 5.2 million in a private sale brokered by PWCC. So this card is is absurd. This is like you know one of the holy grails that everybody wants to get. So it, it's crazy to see, you know what that guy's profit was. So now before we get out of here, this is the last story. Luka Doncic card just sold in a PWCC auction. Numbered uh, well, it's one of one logo man Luka, <clears throat> graded nine BGS. This card sold um, a couple of months ago, I believe it was, for $4.6 million. <clears throat> this card ended up, and that was privately sold by for $4.6 million. That was raw. This guy got it um, graded, tried to sell it. In this auction, it ended up going for $3.1 that is a 32% change downward and it is one of the biggest i think actually is the biggest drop in price but mind you now we the normal person that doesn't have millions of dollars sits here and says oh my god he just lost 1.5 million dollars on a card that's crazy but when you look at it as a whole you look at it as as a percentage this guy lost 32% on it. <clears throat> if you take 32% off of a small dollar amount that all of us could really afford, it's really not that much. 
So for someone that can sit here and spend $4.6 million on a card, losing 32%, it's not crazy for them. But it is the biggest drop in price for any card ever. And through auction, this is the record. This broke a record. This 3.1 broke a record for the most amount. And, I mean, there's a lot of people that sit here and say, well, <clears throat> Luca really hasn't done anything. So why is this card going for so crazy? Why is this it going for such a crazy amount? He hasn't done anything. And, I mean, granted, he really hasn't. And I understand that. But it's hype. That's all it is. It's hype. That's how the hobby runs. It runs off of hype. And Luca is hyped up. 32%. So, I mean, crazy. $1.5 million losing it off of. Um, so, I'm hoping to have Grant Telford from Backyard Breaks on soon. I've been in talks with him. We're just trying to figure out a time um, to eventually do it. But I will have him on. If you have any questions that you want me to ask, Grant Telford of Backyard Breaks, let me know. I'm also in talks with Nikki Rips also to come on. And we had such a great time with Triz, I might have him back on as well. So uh, if you have any questions for the Backyard Breaks boys, let me know. And I will try to uh, have them answered on air. Um, but that will do it for running up the score for me, Jerry Napoleonello. Have fun. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Be safe on this Thanksgiving Eve. Um, and let's go, boys. All right. That'll do it. I'm Jerry. Be breezy. Be breezy. And it is all over. You've been listening to Running Up the Score. We run up the score on sports radio.